Hi, it's Mark Sisson. Welcome to the Primal Blueprint Podcast, where we deliver a variety of fresh content to help you live awesome. Enjoy the show. Engage with us online at marksdailyapple.com and on social media, and send your questions to info at primalblueprint.com. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Primal Blueprint Podcast. Today, we have Sean Wells of seanwells.com, S-H-A-W-N-W-E-L-L-S. And he is, gosh, just a maverick in all sorts of things, registered dietitian, certified sports nutritionist, and considered the world's greatest formulator. We're going to get into that one. And just, I have ran into him in a couple of events and heard him speak and was really curious and went to go talk to him and looked him up and realized that, you know, like a lot of people, uh, a substantial health journey led to some expertise in the edo of in the areas of keto and uh, longevity and all sorts of things that we talk about here. Welcome to the show, Sean. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm very excited to be on. You, uh, you're, you're such a great speaker and also great at explaining things. But let's start with what led you here, because you know, like a lot of us, you get jacked in life by by an infection or a disease or something, and you pull yourself out of it and sort of go down that road. And I know you have had an onslaught. So let's talk about, you know, the origin story. Yeah, so that definitely led to my passion in this area of supplements and uh, what's now called biohacking. I guess back when I was doing it, it was more just trying to figure myself out. But um, yeah, I had um, obesity, depression. Uh, I ended up getting um, uh, Epstein-Barr from Mono. And I got fibromyalgia, chronic fatigue syndrome. It was kind of a downward spiral. <clears throat> and um, it was amazing that I was able to you know, dig into supplements and I started working out. And then I got into keto. And this was 20 years ago that I, I started doing keto. And I found that it was amazing for uh, reducing inflammation, improving my mitochondrial health. Uh, reducing my fatigue and fibromyalgia. Uh, it's It's been an incredible thing for me. And certainly doing paleo along with that, fasting, and all the right supplements. In hindsight now, knowing, you know, when you finally got diagnosed with certain things and realized what was what was the culprit there, tell us a little bit like, what were some of those days like when, you know, EBV was killing you and uh, all of these other things, chronic fatigue, like what were the days like? Yeah, I forgot to mention uh, probably a favorite of yours is Hashimoto's. And then later on, I, I got a pituitary adenoma, uh, prolactinoma that wreaked havoc on my on my sleep and my hormones and everything. But I mean, early on, like the the depression was just uh, compounding, you know, like I think I I had some some fatigue and brain chemistry and pain and inflammation that cause the depression, but then, you know, it, it reinforces itself when you don't feel good. You don't want to go outside when you're putting on weight and, you know, you don't feel like you're attractive and you feel like you're swimming and your brain doesn't work right. And, you know, that you're one tenth of who you usually are. It's all frustrating. Like, I mean, I didn't want to get out of bed. I didn't want to you know, go attack the day and, and help people and learn. I just wanted to stay inside, stay in bed, listen to music, sulk, sleep, 
it's it's rough and i it's given me a lot of empathy for what people go through so many people are going through because there's so much mitochondrial dysfunction there's so much inflammation glycation oxidation that's floating around out there that um so many people are dealing with this let's start off with uh well we, we can go through a few of these um how are your hormones screwed up Obviously, thyroid is part of that, but um, I know you've mentioned it before uh, with regards to other things. How did the pituitary issue affect uh, that? So massive. Um, so first off, like melatonin, everything affected. Like I wasn't sleeping uh, despite being exhausted from pain and inflammation uh, and long work days, um, you know, working at companies like Dimatize and and uh, even when I was in nursing homes and hospitals, a lot of times I was working 14, 16 hour days. And so I was exhausted just putting everything I had into trying to make it through the day and then like just coming home and crashing, going straight to bed, but not being able to sleep and then resorting to Ambien and Tylenol PM and all these various things that are a downward spiral into hell themselves. Horrible. But the pituitary um, is a prolactinoma, so it's secreting prolactin, and it really impairs uh, testosterone. Uh, so my testosterone was like in the 70s, which is horrible. Uh, I had no libido. I was getting skinny fat, again, impairing my energy, um, uh, just, yeah, definitely losing a lot of lean body mass that I had acquired through the years of, of working out and my estrogen, my beta estradiol was very high. Uh, and obviously prolactin was, was extremely elevated. And then the pituitary itself was, was pushing on the, the back of my eyes and I was getting really bad headaches. I didn't know all this. Like at the time, I just knew I wasn't sleeping well. I was, my body composition was changing. I felt depressed. I wasn't sleeping. So ended up getting an MRI after some blood work was ordered showing that the prolactin was elevated and the testosterone and estrogen were out of whack. So, and the MRI confirmed that, um, I got on medication, uh, cabergoline, which, um, is, uh, a dopamine agonist, which helps minimize the, the prolactinoma, but definitely doing the uh, paleo, fasting, keto, and then mitochondrial health supplements has helped a tremendous amount. You have really long, busy days. You travel the world speaking and working. So how is that? Is that manageable now for you? Or do you have days or weeks where you're out of commission still? Or is it at different level? You know, I, <laughs> I guess fortunately and unfortunately, I'm like one of those people that like pushes to the absolute limit. And this has led me to discover every single biohack there is. So, you know, when it's uh, grounding and sunlight and, um, you know, doing the, the infrared sauna and uh, uh, doing these mitochondrial health supplements and NAD IVs and eating paleo and keto and doing intermittent fasting and, and all this stuff, high intensity interval training, uh, cold showers and, and contrasting with hot and cold. I'm doing everything I possibly can just so I can push to the extreme limit. But every now and then, 
extreme stress on top of my normal stress comes along, like just, you know, life like hits you with a, with a right hook mm-hmm. or, or like, you know, I, Those are yeah, exactly. Or like, you know, your flight gets delayed and then you're like flying at three in the morning and like, you know, it's, it's something like where I'm completely out of whack. Like I was just in China and that was so hard on my body. I do not do well with, I definitely have the seasonal affective disorder just when it's grade A's I'm, I'm bummed. But when my circadian rhythm is like really hit up hard, like when you go to China, basically where AM is PM, it's brutal. I was sleeping like three hours a night. And after about five nights, that was horrendous. And um, yeah, you st- I've, I've hallucinated even like in those situations where like the jet lag has gotten so bad. I'm, I'm sort of starting to hallucinate. I'm like, okay, I'm on a commission. Um, that whole change up of circadian rhythm and crossing the dateline can just wreak havoc, especially on, uh, on someone like yourself or a lot of us who thrive on this consistency and this rhythm that we have. Exactly. Yeah. And, and when you're pushing the limit and, and, you know, like, again, I'm, I'm blessed to have all this knowledge so that I can like that. I have all these things kind of stacked against me, but I can still work a 16 hour day. I've figured out how to do it. But if everything isn't perfect, then it doesn't work well. And yeah, I, I get thrown for a loop. And it, yeah, it definitely still happens where, you know, a day, two days, three days, I, I feel horrible. But at least it's temporary now and manageable. I want to get into a few exactly. of the things you mentioned yep. before. You know, you talked about like, inflammation and glycation. Glycation is one where, uh, you know, obviously Mark and a lot of people, we've, we've talked about it. But, you know, I think it's important to touch on. Can you explain what that is and things that contribute to it? Because, you know, people hear out there inflammation, they kind of understand that, but they don't really get the glycation. And it's key. Uh, and so I'd love to hear, you know, you, you explain to us what that is. Yeah. And, you know, I think two, two of the most important labs, maybe three of the most important labs that I could come up with. Uh, I think we talked about this uh, at, at FitCon that I'm, I'm kind of beating this drum because it really could reshape uh, healthcare pretty radically because glycation, inflammation, and oxidation are all tracking back to mitochondrial dysfunction. And mitochondrial dysfunction is really tied to almost every disease, including autoimmunity and uh, biological over chronological aging. So it's so critical and we're not looking at it. And with glycation, you'd want to look at hemoglobin A1C. And typically, we're only looking at hemoglobin A1C when you're diabetic, when it's already too late. And with inflammation, you'd want to look at uh, CRP, uh, C-reactive protein, and they might look at that once you already have the cardiovascular disease. And oxidized LDL would be a good one for, for oxidation. But the first two are so important, and they're so tied into each other that really glycation is, is more often than not the precursor to the inflammation. And we're not in ketosis as much as we used to be, like where we might be in ketosis maybe half the time. If we were to go back to like the, the paleo days, like where we didn't call it fasting, but we, we called it starving, where you didn't eat for a day, two days, three days, or you had to work to get your food and there was caloric expenditure, you know, there was glycogen depletion. Yeah, it was called a failed hunt. Yeah, that's what, <laughs> exactly. that's what that was and called. Then, and, but even your carbs, right? Even your carbs, 
you could have still been in ketosis because they might be very high fiber. They might be resistant starches. I mean, you're, you're, if you ate a banana, chances are a lot of times it might be green. It's not like everything is like to the perfection of ripeness, like in nature. Like, so you might eat a raw potato or, you know, raw oats or, or whatever, like, you know, some roots or that green banana, those things are all resistant starches and have no glycemic impact and could be keto. So it was very different back then than it is now where you're eating three to six times a day, you're having high glycemic carbohydrate, you're having ultra processed food that overrides your satiety signals, makes you overeat. And we're now like, uh, we compulsively can't stop eating, not only because of the way the food tastes, but like the packaging, the way the food looks. And if you think about like when you walk into a convenience store, it's, it's, the, it's the store of addiction. You're looking around at all these bright colors, it's filled with caffeine, sugar, alcohol, tobacco, lottery, you know, liquor, like everything's in there to, to, to tie into your impulses for that dopamine serotonin hit, like that high bliss point food. Um, that that's difficult. Like when you go up to the register and it's all, uh, all these candies and the bright color packaging, or you look over at the, the cooler that's filled with the monsters and the Gatorades and it's all bright colors and, I mean, it's all meant to pull you in. If you can walk in and out of a of a convenience store, you're someone who has incredible willpower. But, but getting back to, to glycation, it's it's really blood sugar damage, like blood sugar staying elevated too much. And this is happening where we're eating this high glycemic carbohydrate, we're insulin resistant, and insulin is staying elevated for too long, and then insulin being elevated too long is tied to aging and inflammation and mitochondrial dysfunction and all of these things. So, and we're seeing like Alzheimer's is also called type three diabetes and, you know, all of these different conditions. Oh, wow. Like the cancer is propagated by, you know, the, the metabolic disease, the, the, the blood sugar is, is, you know, pushing the growth of the cancer and all of these diseases we're seeing like being affected by blood sugar. And then I, I think the next keto is mito because the reason we're seeing keto be so effective uh, for so many things, people are like, oh, it's like it's the miracle like diet. Like this is like almost like it's <laughs> either hype or as saying it's ridiculous how many things are tied to keto that it supposedly cures. But this is one of the biggest ways is that there's mitochondrial dysfunction and you need an alternate fuel source because you're in a state of insufficient cellular energy throughout most of the body. It's called ice. But in the brain, like the, with Parkinson's and Alzheimer's, they call it brain energy gap. But it's the same idea, like where you're not hitting the threshold that you need of the energy you need. So and and when you enter these mitochondrial dysfunction states and you're not getting enough energy from the mitochondria, then you're getting inflammation, glycation, oxidation, aging, disease states when it's kept kept on too long. Inflammation's okay acutely. Uh, blood sugar being elevated is okay acutely. Mm-hmm. Uh, oxidation is okay acutely. It's like when we're in chronic states with the chronic dysfunction – and chronic um, uh, energy gaps, 
insufficient cellular energy that we run into all these disease states and we run into accelerated aging. Yes, and I experienced it when my HbA1c, my hemoglobin A1c, as you mentioned, when I was pre-diabetic and it was elevated, it was 5.7. And for the audience, at least, and, and you could disagree with me, Sean, but no matter what anything says, at least on this show and doctors who've come on have said, you want 5.2 or below. That is what you were looking for. And anything above that is suspect of some changes. And, you know, when I was at that level, my blood was so thick and sticky, Sean, that the phlebotomist had to stop. He was like, I can't draw any more blood. Like it's, and it's so interesting because when I changed things and got to the bottom of some stuff, the way that it flowed the next time I went in for blood, it was like a totally different story. It's just like seeing the evidence as it's happening of this, your blood. And I felt like accelerated aging completely, not only during the hypothyroidism bit, but then after that, when I still didn't realize I had become pre-diabetic and oh my gosh, I, I look so much younger than I did just then, like then. It was amazing. And then when I started to learn about this, I became a primal health coach and worked for Mark and all this stuff. We, I was like, oh, this makes so much sense. I saw it in my skin. I saw it and I felt it. Well, your, your neurons are actually firing slower when you're not getting enough sleep, when you don't have enough energy and you're hungry for that energy. So what are the ways that we compensate? A lot of times we'll do impulsive decisions like really poor decision-making so that we get epinephrine, uh, adrenaline, and we feel, we feel the rush. But then we get into to really bad decisions where there's repercussions for those decisions. Then we also use caffeine. We use um, you know, a number of stimulants, whatever it is, high, high sugar. You know, we, we go to the vending machine and grab M&Ms because we're feeling low. And you do get that temporary serotonin dopamine hit for a second, but then you start crashing out. And, you know, there's, there's repercussions for all of this. So, uh, absolutely. You know, you, when you feel low, there's so many ways your body wants to, to compensate because we keep pushing it. We're, we're still going to work. We're the only species that makes ourselves stay up when we're tired. Right. That doesn't honor <laughs> rest. Yeah. So, you know, and then the worst thing is like, we'll be tired, but we'll be watching, uh, the NBA finals or game of Thrones or something. That's like, not only like we're watching it, but it's hyper bright on our eyes, like 4k HDR. And we're, you know, blocking melatonin release. It's highly stimulatory because it's violence, it's action, it's, you know, sex, it's all this stuff. And then we can't get to sleep. <laughs> it's just it's a total downward spiral and then and then when you're tired you don't make kind of going back to what i said you don't make the well thought out decisions or more difficult decisions you go you go back to what you know what's easiest so you're going to make more of the impulsive decisions um instead of like saying you know what i'm going to eat that clean diet today or i'm going to get going on my diet if you're exhausted you're not going to do that you're going to say Screw it. I'm going to have the M&Ms and the Coca-Cola and I'll, I'll start my diet tomorrow. And unfortunately, that's, you know, compounding all of this. Since you are, you know, such an expert in the arena of supplement formulation, um, I know on your website as well, you go through a series of supplements that are sort of foundational, I guess you would say for you that you that you think are great to incorporate. Can we talk about some of those that we might not know of? Berberine, number one, far and away, going back to the glycation inflammation 
mitochondrial dysfunction. There's a study where it shows uh, it's actually as good as, if not superior to, metformin, which is kind of the the granddaddy of uh, insulin sensitivity, a glucose disposal agent, uh, also known for anti-aging. It's super popular with the with the anti-aging crowd. So um, that would be my, my and like, one. where do you get that? Is that over the kind that's just something you can go buy and what kind of dosage do you look at to start with if you wanted to hack it? Yep. It's, it's herbally sourced. You can go buy it. Um, unfortunately I would say probably 90 plus percent doesn't test out, um, which is frustrating. So I would buy from, I formulated with BioTrust. I know that one tests out thorn, would be a good one. That's, you know, I mean, they're, they're super high quality. Um, you know, some of the trusted names like, um, now foods, doctor's best, I would stay more with those and not necessarily what's cheapest at Amazon or Walmart or whatever. You know, sometimes you got to pay a little bit more to, to know what you're getting. So, uh, that's what I would do. Um, and it's 500 milligrams three times a day. Um, I would take it just prior to, any type of carbohydrate-based meal for sure. But even if you're doing zero carb, uh, I've found that it actually gets you deeper into ketosis, which is really cool. Um, it, here, here's an amazing example. So when I was formulating this this one product for, for BioTrust, it's called IC5, I was messing around with berberine itself. And I did a, a carbohydrate challenge as, you know, I'm typically keto, but so this was a, a fun one. I had two Pop-Tarts and five double stuffed Oreos. Oh, shit. So, so I don't... Okay, so you go from keto and you like go right to the like worst crap sugar, like just two Pop-Tarts. And Damn. five double stuffed Oreos. Yes. Okay, wow. So you take that and then what do you do? Turn on a watch, put on some equipment, hook yourself up to a machine? I did, I did. I was going extreme. So uh, I was looking at my blood sugar, uh, blood glucose every 15 minutes uh, for two hours. And I got up to close to 200 from a 70. It's horrible, um, which if anyone knows blood glucose, that's horrendous. Uh, so I took um, a week later, you know, went back and, and did the same test. I was at 70 again. Did you eat the same two Pop-Tarts? The same, the same yeah, the same carbohydrate challenge. But yes, yeah, so I was back in ketosis. I was at like a baseline of like 65, 70, same thing. And this time I took the berberine and this time I never got above a hundred. And at one hour I was already going back down. Whoa, that's insane. Kind of huge. Insane. But now I'm afraid people are going to go get berberine and then go to donut. <laughs> <laughs> <And> then, <laughs> so I have had some friends that do like their cheats, uh, you know, on their, if they do like a cyclical and they do like the one day a week and they told me they had a couple pieces of cheesecake or something and they stayed in. So uh, I don't know. I, I don't know what to tell you there. But so, like, is it one of those things where if you really know you're going to go out for some high carb some situation, that might be the time to take it? Absolutely, without a doubt. But I, I, I think taking it consistently, regardless, is is effective. I've seen the same effects even taking it chronically. So, let's say if I'm doing zero carb, I've seen it like take me, you know, a couple like sometimes a point or two deeper into ketosis. Um, so it's pretty, it's pretty amazing all the way around. I, and it re reduces inflammation. There's studies on it and improving lipids. And again, like 
your blood lipids and inflammation that's tied to glycation. So it really is, is a, a wonder, I won't say drug, but like a wonder herb, uh, that I think everyone should be taking, um, that doesn't want to get as much disease or age as fast. Uh, um, <laughs> so, uh, you don't have to go through all of them, but I'd love you to, I know you mentioned ashwagandha, yes. there's some, but there's some other random ones like berberine is one that most people wouldn't know or think of. So, you know, that ashwagandha for adrenal support and stress, 100%. right? That's one of the best. It helps with sleep helps. With, so adaptogens are so incredible because they help your body adapt. What I love is you know, caffeine and some of these like ephedrine or some stimulant, nicotine, like it's kind of like you're you're getting something, but it's at a cost. Like whereas what's really cool with adaptogens is it's normalizing you. So if you're tired, it helps give you some natural energy. If you're overstimulated, it kind of takes you back to the middle. And this works for blood pressure and blood sugar and, you know, with your sleep and energy during the day, like, yes, it can help you sleep and improve your energy during the day. It can help you focus. Like it's amazing how these adaptogens work. So I'm a big fan of ashwagandha and rhodiola are two of my favorites. Um, they definitely help you deal with stress and help normalize some of these hormones and neurotransmitters. So I think those are kind of foundational, at least for a period of time from time to time. Uh, especially when you're dealing with stress or you're traveling or some of those kinds of things. Um, creatine would be a big one because everyone thinks creatine and bodybuilding, but right. That's what I think. You know, most people do. It, it does. It does help with lean body mass accretion, um, meaning maintaining lean body mass or accumulating lean body mass. Um, but it's so much more than that. It's, it's a great methylator. And methylation is a chemical process that's super basic and just literally adding or removing a hydrogen on, on a molecule. <clears throat> and it's so important to so many processes, like literally happens billions of times a day in the body. And if there's methylation errors, you run into DNA uh, issues where you need to repair the DNA and there's... Um, cancer potentially that can happen as a result of, of, um, DNA, uh, issues. So, uh, uh, creatine can help with being protective against cancer. It's also found in bone and eyes and testes. And so it's good for reproductive health, eye health, bone health. I, I feel like creatine should actually be like in most multivitamins and you don't need to take these whopping doses. Um, some people think that, uh, they gain water weight when they take too much. And like when people load on it and take 20 grams a day, like a lot of bodybuilders used to, you might, but you can just take like a gram a day divided in two doses, like two 500 milligram caps and get a lot of these benefits. And is there a certain kind of form or something we're looking for? With yeah. That? Creatine monohydrate is the one I would go with. There's a lot of forms out there, but that's the cheapest and the most studied. There's over 500 studies on it. So it's hard for me to recommend something beyond that. I think the other forms may work, but I mean, why spend additional money when you don't have to? Do you consume caffeine? I do not. Uh, because of my uh, basically horrible adrenal fatigue from kind of doing what we were talking about. Like I was taking the ephedrine and caffeine and, uh, Yohimbine and all these, you know, energy drinks and fat burners and 
whatever to try and like push myself through the day when I was doing really poorly energy wise. So it came at a cost and I felt like I was kind of spinning into hell. And, uh, and then I'd have, like we were talking about days on end where I just didn't want to leave like the house. And I was kind of buried underneath the blankets and in pain and just, you know, throbbing nerve pain, neuropathy. And it's, uh, it's not good. So I've, I, I don't metabolize caffeine well anymore. And, um, I just, I just don't do well with it. So I just avoid it. Uh, you mentioned curcumin mm-hmm. as well. We know it does turmeric. Turmeric. Yes. Um, so yes. So uh, curcumin and CBD. Actually, I would really recommend on the inflammation side of the uh, um, uh, equation. So just like I was talking about before, that inflammation and glycation oxidation mitochondrial dysfunction. I would want to address all those. Those are the most important thing to attra- address for health and anti-disease and improving aging. So with glycation, we address that with berberine. You could also look at a good cinnamon like Ceylon. Uh, With inflammation, I would look at curcumin that's bioavailability enhanced. There's a few forms out there like Mariva, Curcuin, um, C3 uh, that are from some different suppliers that have better bioavailability. But if you're having turmeric at home, you can have it with a fatty meal and some black pepper, and that's going to help. Um, the CBD as well, and obviously that one's catching fire uh, as the non-psychoactive component uh, from uh, hemp and cannabis. Uh, and CBD is very potently anti-inflammatory. Uh, so I love that combination, especially of the curcumin and the, and the CBD. And then addressing. Do you, mm-hmm. I want to chime in and just ask you about curcumin. Is that something where you do? Do you take it like a, a regular part of your life, or is it temporary for you know an inflammatory situation that's happening? I mean, I know you can use it for that anytime, but is this sort of just like a one part of your regular routine? You know, for me, because I have so much dysfunction, um, I do use it um, chronically. But I think someone that doesn't have chronic inflammation or isn't in kind of a dysfunctional state already, I would use it how you're talking about it. Um, Yeah, just when you need it. Um, So it just depends on where you're at. It's kind of like, you know, I do the cold showers after my workout. And some people would say, oh, well, you want the post-workout inflammation for adaptation and all this. But I deal with so much inflammation that I have found that when I do my post-workout cold shower that I repair faster, I feel better, I can come back to my workout stronger the next day. So, I mean, I just do what feels best for me and I would encourage you know other people to do the same, that just apply the, the scientific method of like do one thing at a time and see how that works for you. And then once you apply that to your routine, then you can look at another thing, but don't shotgun anything. Don't take guesses. Don't assume because Dr. Oz or Dr. Axe or whoever says to do it or even Mark, you know, Sisson, like, I mean, it's all great opinions and and hopefully you've you've found educated sources, but do what works best for you. One of the ones that I hadn't heard of that you mentioned on your website is uh, Alpha GPC. 
Yeah, so that's a, a form of choline um, that has much better bioavailability, crosses the blood-brain barrier, which most forms of choline do not. Um, CDP choline, also called citicholine, or alpha-GPC are the two best forms that you'll see in a lot of nootropic stacks, which means brain-boosting. Um, but the other forms of choline are are certainly worth taking, like a choline citrate or bitartrate or some of the ones you find in some supplements, because we are often uh, choline deficient. Unless you're eating eggs or taking a choline supplement, a study has shown that you're most likely deficient. So this is another one. Interesting, because a lot of people who don't eat eggs, even though they might eat meat and other things, but they don't eat eggs. Right, right. And, and especially if you're vegan, I think that's, you know, people talk a lot about B12, but I think that's another one. They're probably not listening to this show, Sean. Well, it's okay. Yeah, maybe. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, some of them are, because some of them actually could come over to this side. So, no, but it is important. Uh, yeah, that's very important. I didn't know that. Yeah. Well, some people still do like a meatless Monday or something, I would imagine. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, so you need to take uh, a good form of choline. Choline leads to acetylcholine, the neurotransmitter, which is super important for your brain health. The more active your brain is, the more you're using it, uh, the more you're lifting weights. You know, it's important for muscle contraction, all kinds of things. So acetylcholine, super important. And that's why a lot of these brain-boosting stacks are built around alpha-GPC or CDP choline because they tend to run through choline, especially through acetylcholine. So it's important to get a good choline source in. And again, this is one of those cool things like methylcobalamin, the active form of B12, or this alpha-GPC, that you actually get the benefit of both. They've been shown to improve sleep, improve brain health, and improve energy during the day. So how awesome is that? Like, like everyone thinks like that's not possible, like you can only have one thing or the other, like I need my uppers and my downers. But when you actually optimize your body, and you know this with, with diet and exercise, but it's also true with these nutrients that you function better all the way around. I was wondering about your days now when you're not on some crazy travel thing where you've got to adjust everything. What's your day like in terms of exercise? You know, when and when you might eat, what you might eat. Of course, we're not going to like copy you, but we always like to ask people like, hey, what's a day in the life of Sean Wells like? Yeah, so I do exercise every day, um, Monday through Friday. I go to the gym. I have trainers. I go first thing in the morning. Um, what I so you go fasting? I do. I do. I I like okay. that. I feel like uh, it's part of my uh, intermittent fasting. Uh, it's very easy to not eat in the evening and then not eat in the morning. So one of the things that's important to me is not only intermittent fasting, but keeping to your circadian rhythm. When you eat, it turns on your circadian rhythm. Uh, so it's really bad to do at night uh, when it's dark, but I think it's also bad to do when it's still dark first thing in the morning, like it is most of the year when I get up and go to the gym. So I like to hold off and only eat during the daylight hours. And there's some really cool data by this guy, Dr. Sachin Panda, and he's really dove into uh, intermittent fasting and then circadian rhythm and how these all tie together. Um, so that's something that I would recommend. But yeah, I do. Um, and when I first get up, I have kind of a morning routine where I do some deep breathing, some gratitude, 
uh, you know, saying what I'm thankful for. And then I sometimes do like a little journaling of what I'm going to get done that day. But also maybe again, some some gratitude stuff, like actually writing it out. And then um, sometimes if it's really dark and I'm really tired, I do use a blue light device like the human charger that you can put in your ears or the Philips Go light that you can uh, just put out on your desk or in the car that's portable. Um, and that kind of wakes me up. It's like totally replaces like coffee easily. It's, it's amazing how much uh, blue light works. And then, of course, you want to avoid blue light in the evening. But so I head to the gym. Uh, I've had my, my gratitude, my breathing. Uh, I usually listen to a good podcast on the way to the gym, um, something to edify me. And uh, then I have my, my pre-workout, which is um, a stimulant-free uh, pre-workout that has some great nutrients by this company, Genius. It's a Genius pre-workout. And I add the, the BioTrust uh, Metabo Greens. It's a really just good greens product. Uh, I add a little extra taurine to that. Uh, a little creatine and uh, some collagen. And so that's my my pre-workout uh, stack. So it's not fully fasting. I guess you could say there's there's some some calories there probably, but not not a whole lot. Uh, then I work out, uh, do some high intensity interval training uh, quite often, sometimes some blood flow restriction training, some cool stuff. Uh, and then I do my my cold shower, but sometimes I do some contrasting back and forth with like hot to cold, hot to cold. That's helpful. like sauna or steam room to the cold mm -hmm. shower. So that's kind of um, like the hormetic response. If you know, if you know what that is like the adaptation, you know, it helps take place. There's I do it daily. Oh, cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah there, there's some really good data with, with uh, heat therapy um, as well as the cold, like cold, like with, uh, brown adipose tissue, immunostimulating, but with the heat, there's it improves growth hormone, testosterone, uh, metabolism as well. So, like the more you kind of create like the a greater uh, gap or delta, if you will, between the temperatures, uh, the greater your body has to deal with all that. Um, so it's it's helpful to put that kind of positive stress on your body. Um, and then, uh, then I go to work and I start getting stuff done. Um, I'm usually, you know, humming by about eight thirty, uh, getting things done, but I, I do the Tim Ferriss thing where I try and get something done at the beginning of the day, like a big project, like for the first two hours. So I feel accomplished and I don't go right into email. I think it's a really bad thing. And by the way, I don't look at my cell phone like first thing in the morning either, I think that can be a, a downward spiral and um, really unhealthy as well. Like I like to kind of ease into the day, not stress, um, and go through my my positive steps. Uh, so that's what I'd say is is don't rush into emails and because you can chase fires all day long. It's very easy to do that. So if you can tackle like some big task that you know you have to get done that day. And if you've done that list at the first thing in the morning, it can help you do that um, to, to lay those things out. But that's what I would do. So between the workout uh, being really good and feeling like I accomplished something and then that first two hours of my day knocking out something big. I mean, I'm, at, I'm there at like 1030 and I feel really accomplished. 
And now I can jump into some other stuff. But like, even if the whole rest of the day is shot, I've had a pretty good day thus far. And, and then, yeah, then I'll, I'll roll into to having something to eat around that time. Um, and sometimes it's breakfasty, sometimes it's lunchy. Uh, it could be like, you know, bacon and eggs and butter. Uh, but it could also be, um, you know, something like, um, chicken or beef on a salad, uh, something like that with some, um, like olive oil and, and white wine vinegar or something like that. So do you have like a, an eating window sort of that you kind of stick in? Yeah, typically like eight hours. Um, and that varies a little bit based on time of year. Like I said, sometimes I allow like a bigger window during the summer because there's just more daylight and I feel like I'm more active during the summer. On Saturdays, I play volleyball for eight hours uh, out in the sand in the Dallas heat. So I give myself some some grace in the summer to uh, eat a little bit more and have a bigger window. Um, but I think that's normal. And I think you should have a smaller window during the winter, um, again, just because of daylight. So um, that's what I follow, like probably – you know, a range of anywhere from like six to 12 hours during, during the year, but, um, probably averaging eight or nine. Aside from the standard objections we might hear out there about keto, not talking about those, but talking about instead the theme themes that you've heard from people who are somehow misunderstanding, you know, there's people that just misunderstand keto and and how it works, like, for example, I mean, I, I initially made a huge mistake then when I even went primal and just, like, overate nuts and didn't understand. Like, you know, I was just confused when I first went paleo primal, and I was like, I don't know what to eat. And it was, like, the first two weeks, and I was, I was like, what do I <laughs> I just kept going for the nuts. And Mark was like, yeah, that's not how this works. Um, so I know sometimes people need extra salt, right? There, there's certain things that – tips and tricks, but what are some of the things that you keep hearing from people as to why they might be failing or or keto is not working for them? So one of the things is they're doing like bodybuilder style where they quote unquote eat clean, which drives me insane, which means in their brain, which means low carb, low fat. So that just leaves. Oh, that that's what ruined my life. That's that's basically just a high protein <laughs> diet and you will enter into hangry hell where you're not adapted to using glucose and you're not adapted to using fat for fuel but you're adapted to uh, turning uh, protein into glucose through gluconeogenesis and oxidizing a lot of that protein. And it's horrible, like just small fluctuations in blood sugar because your body's now adapted and it's not having to go way up and way down anymore from glucose. Just small, uh, small um, fluctuations can feel like huge fluctuations. You know, just 10 points can feel like 50 points, like when you're on a normal uh, high carb diet. So you kind of enter into this hangry hell, uh, when you're eating. I, I think people think it's just protein. Like they'll, I, you're right. They'll, I've heard so many people say like, Oh, okay, got it. So just ditch the carbs and eat meat. I'm like, no, that's, it's right. <laughs> it's not. Yeah. And I also too talk a lot about how I was doing chronic cardio before I knew that term, 
plus I was on a low fat carb paradigm. I was a hypoglycemic mess. I was like hangry, horrible food addict, like all that typical stuff. You know, you've probably been there. All of us have been there at some point who've now gotten to this place. And it was such a stressful, awful situation. No doubt threw me into all the problems I had to go write a book about. And you know what I mean? So uh, it is It is such a losing game. Yeah, that that low fat, low carb will get you. It'll get you. Right. So you, you don't really get into ketosis when uh, – and that's kind of like an Atkins thing too, like where they don't really care how much fat you have, but you eat super low carb. And then a lot of people just eat you know, high protein as a result and kind of the same thing as this bodybuilder type thing. And you don't really get that deep into ketosis um, because you become efficient at turning the protein into glucose through gluconeogenesis. So that can be one area you need to up your fat, lower your protein to a normal level for a ketogenic diet, which is 20 to 25 percent Um, And then some bodybuilders freak out and say that's too low a protein level. But when you're on the ketogenic diet and you have elevated ketones, this has been shown again and again with plasma BHB, that it's anti-catabolic. It's lean body mass sparing. It's protein sparing. sparing. Right, exactly. And it it really does that through like it being leucine sparing and improving leucine sensitivity. So let's say leucine is the key – branch chain amino acid that triggers muscle protein synthesis, um, really important in that whole process. And let's say for a normal bodybuilder, it might have, you might have to have like 25 grams away, which gives you 2.8 grams of leucine. And it's kind of a magic number, like two and a half, three grams of leucine to turn on optimized muscle protein synthesis. Whey is a great source for that, which is why a lot of bodybuilders use that. But Maybe on, and this, there needs to be more data on this, but maybe on the ketogenic diet, it could be half that, let's say. There isn't exact data on this, but the theory pans out with what they've shown with leucine sensitivity being anti-catabolic and potentially anabolic with BHB. So that's one way that you may need less protein, but still, because study after study is showing that bodybuilders, crossfitters, Athletes are putting on just as much muscle, uh, recovering just as fast, just as much strength, just as much power as their carbohydrate counterparts, but they're not putting on as much fat mass. So, the, the yeah, our buddy up on stage, Louis Villasenor. I mean, right, exactly. Keto, <laughs> keto gains, yeah. Exactly, yeah, he's amazing. So, you know, there is no carbohydrate deficiency. Um, I think people, um, you know, worry about that, but I also don't fear carbs. Um, and I don't think you have to be anti-carb. I love Mark's actually approach that he's talked about. And it's something I ascribe to too, even though I've been keto, this is a lifestyle. I don't talk about it as a diet. It's not eight to 12 weeks where I've got to lose 10 pounds of fat. This is like how I'm operating for life. And so when I go out on Saturdays with some friends, I have some carbs because it's planned carbs. I don't feel guilty about it. I pick one day a week where I have maybe two meals where I eat whatever I want. And it just happens to be the meals where I'm enjoying enjoying meals with friends. And so that's what I choose. And, you know, if you have, um, you know, one salad uh, a week and the other 20 meals you have McDonald's, that one salad isn't going to make you healthy. And the reverse is true. Like, 
the if you're eating healthy all week and you're sticking to what you ascribe to as like a, a healthy diet and then you have one or two meals that are whatever you want, it's not going to really add up. Um, and as and if this keeps you on track, then I think that's great. Like if this keeps you doing this for life, then that's great. And I also use a, a targeted ketogenic diet. Like when I play, you know, like I said, eight hours of sand volleyball, then I have whatever I want. I usually have some high glycemic carbohydrate. Yeah. And it's different for different levels of activity. Like you said, even weather, if it's sweltering out exactly. there. So you got to take those all into consideration. That's a good one. People misconceiving it as high protein and, and all of the nuances beyond that. And yeah, you know, it's so funny because I'm sure when you're in the space, my friends will like defend their right to eat a piece of bread. I'm like, eat the piece of bread. I'm like, I don't like it. Live your life. You know, um, right, I, I even right, sometimes totally. will, will do that. It's, it's gotta be a special situation where it looks really too good to pass up, you know, in a gourmet five course situation where I may indulge in, okay, you know, cause we're doing this, but again, it's like a planned thing. You know, what's going to happen there. And even then, so I don't know if I'm going to eat it or not, but I'm open to it. Um, and, Sometimes I've regretted it and sometimes not. Um, and like Mark says as well, you know, you, you see what your threshold is. Maybe two bites of bread Mark can do, but beyond that, it'll start to bother him, you know, and you just find what, what, what can work for you, you know, maybe one bite or two bites or the whole thing. Um, what are some things, you know, you've been yeah, talking. Dial it in yeah, over time. Yeah, You've been talking exactly. so much. I mean, I know keto space. What were you, uh, I missed you talking at Paleo FX though. Mm, okay. There. What were you doing there? What were we talking about? Uh, it was crazy. So I spoke at five different things. It was kind of nuts. Um, I'm really good friends with uh, with Keith Norris, who's amazing, and uh, and he just <laughs> threw everything at me, and it was pretty cool. So uh, one of the panels um, that I did with Mark actually was on uh, the Western diet, and you know, kind of where we're at right now, and that was a great one. Uh, I talked about nootropics and my personal brain boosting stack, which I think this is a, a really important area because, uh, like I talked about, like with, with blood sugar staying elevated with most people, we are running into brain energy gap. We are running into Alzheimer's. We're often dealing with traumatic brain injury from concussions, from brain insults, like when we just hit our head or we have suicidal thoughts and depression that actually can um, impair the the way the brain functions, just like hitting your head against a wall. It's actually very similar. Um, so I think it's it's important. We talk about nootropics a lot with biohacking, like how to maximize your brain and get more performance. That's cool, and I'm doing that. But I think there's a lot to be said for the therapeutic value of a lot of these nutrients that our brain desperately needs. I think one of the most interesting areas for brain health right now is BDNF protein. Uh, it's a protein in your brain that is called brain-derived neurotrophic factor. And it's really important for the health of the neurons, the, the brain cells. And it's really cool that uh, it not only protects the neurons, but it actually helps regenerate new ones. So this is really fascinating uh, research that's coming out that shows that if you do some of these things, um, and, and some of it's nutrients, some of it's lifestyle, that can enhance BDNF, you can improve the neuroplasticity of your brain and allow for more fluid intelligence, um, which is like taking on new tasks, um, which as we get older, we become smarter in some ways and 
dumber, if you will, in other ways, we get better at crystallized intelligence, which is kind of coming up with faster and faster shortcuts. Uh, but as we age, we get worse at fluid intelligence, which is that neuroplastic taking on new tasks kind of intelligence. So there's there's things that you can do that like exercise is certainly one, uh, like learning a new instrument, a new language, taking a different way to work, tying your shoelaces the opposite way, like, you know, putting your sneaker on the opposite foot first or, the, you know, putting your pants on the opposite leg first or tying your belt through the other way or using the other hand to brush your teeth or like there's so many things that, again, we're super hardwired for and we become, you know, really efficient at that we don't even have to think about anymore. Like when you're driving or when you're brushing your teeth or all these things, it's a foregone conclusion because that is that crystallized intelligence. But if you challenge yourself often, your brain will stay healthier and more neuroplastic and that'll improve the BDNF levels. And so there's things that like green tea with EGCG or resveratrol and red wine, taro still bean and blueberries, um, some of these, you know, really good antioxidant compounds, um, green coffee berry that have been shown to increase BDNF as well. You know, it's, uh, yeah, that's, that's amazing. Um, wow. You're such a wealth of information. I have like a hundred thousand. more questions for you. <laughs> like, well, wait, wait, one, one other thing I wanted to mention about keto that I think a lot of people get wrong is a lot of women I've talked to have frustration about like, um, I can't have the 50 grams of carbs. I'm at 20 and I'm still struggling to stay in ketosis. I would say be careful of net carbs mm-hmm. early on, like the first 90 days, like three to six months, I would say strict keto. And then you can start playing with net carbs and cyclical and targeted ketogenic diets and all those kinds of things, but allow your body to become fat adapted. Uh, and first. on that note too, um, Leanne Vogel uh, wrote Keto for Women, and that's actually good. And she sort of came up with a little bit of a cycling system for the different phases of our menstrual cycle if you're a menstruating female. And so if people are listening and you're a woman and you're somehow running, you might want to listen and read Leanne's book about that um, and the different phases and what to do, you know, add a little starch here, reduce the fat in this phase, and just some, some interesting um, tips that perhaps could help someone. So, you know, we are we are a little bit different, but there might be something to that. You know, we have certain cravings and strange things that happen around ovulation and all that stuff. On the brain stuff, I wanted to just mention to the audience, um, one of my favorite authors and speakers in the world for over 10 years, he's now really popular, but Joe Dispenza is, is mm, just... The, you are the placebo. Oh, the, well, and also <laughs> just uh, evolve your brain was his first book and yeah, he basically uh-huh. cured you know he got into an accident hit at you know 50 miles an hour by a car as he was on a bike he was all jacked up all the experts says you have to have the surgery you have to do this you won't walk again he was like nope and he literally used his brain based on what he knew about the human body and he sat there and he literally he, he fixed himself but he's amazing and i i just i want to impress upon anybody because aside from neuroplasticity plasticity when he suggested that about taking a different route to work. So I live in the mountains and there's lots of little offshoot mountain roads. And I was like, you know what? I need to go like, just drive down some of these. Like what, what's down here? I don't know. Right. I go down one road. I see all these beautiful homes. I see this one really crazy home and it looked like there was an open house. I never go to open houses. I've never been even to an, like, I just don't do that. But I was like, I want to know what's up with that. I go there for like an open house. I'm the only one there. 
turns out it's like the house of like some famous juggler. Okay. And then there's like a crazy story. And next thing you know, I'm like, my, my brain is being like definitely light lit up all because I took one road to just go check it out that led to this, that led to that. And some interesting story that I would have never heard. And that is all brain stimulation. That's new. We are so in the same routine. We see, we think the same thoughts over and over again, every day, you got to start to think different ones. They won't happen unless we do something different. So even just taking a uh, drive down a street that you've never been down can lead to some really interesting <laughs> conversations and thoughts or experiences, you know? A hundred percent. So that's like the, the obstacles, the way Ryan holiday is kind of like the mental version of the hormetic response. Like that adaptation happens by us facing these obstacles and adversity. We shouldn't run from adversity. Uh, we should, you know, chase it sometimes and, and having courage of like, making these bold decisions and, you know, really leads you to all these new opportunities, like you're saying. And what's the worst that can really happen? If like one of the things Tim Ferriss found with all the successful people he interviewed, he tried to find the common threads. And there was two big things is one, there was a a specific morning routine, like similar to the one like I talked about earlier, which I adopted from a lot of these, these people that he's interviewed. But two, they don't view failure as failure. They view it as an experiment. So they're constantly experimenting and they don't fear it. And like you're saying, they, that's they Mark Sisson, people. That's Mark Sisson. He started and tried a whole bunch of different restaurant things. Businesses failed. Some didn't. He kept going. He just it wasn't failure. It was just, all right, well, that didn't work out. Next, uh, next experiment. You know, and, Thomas, then, and then, of course, yeah. the last one worked out really effing well for him. <laughs> that, that worked out well. But would he have gotten there if he hadn't had all the quote unquote failures? Absolutely and like Thomas, not. Thomas Edison talks about like with the when he was on the way to, to discovering the light bulb, he said, now I know what it's not. And he's like, this experiment wasn't a failure. Like Now I know what it's not across that one off the list. Now I can go to the next tr- next try. So, you know, I definitely encourage that. Like I'm kind of a, a sci fi nerd. Uh, fantasy nerd. So I love like the the Hobbit story of like, it's kind of like this, this little guy that shouldn't be, you know, experiencing all these adventures with wizards and warriors and dragons and, you know, gold and everyone else in his little shire is scared to ever leave the shire. And they say, you know, he's small, he has no special powers, why should he have all this adventure? How could he ever become a hero? And he talks about, he just took a couple steps, and then it led to more steps. And then before you know it, he was on his way and he had this great adventure. And I would encourage people to to have the boldness, have the courage, because that's where the adventures are. The adventures aren't going to happen when you stay at home or when you stick to your routine. And quite often, like if it gives you some fear, you know, it can be a good thing. I mean, there's times when that's not a good thing, but it can be a good thing that it's challenging your norms and asking you to open your mind expand the way you view something, challenge yourself, adapt. Like, so those can be very good things. Yeah, I was uh, in my talk, at, in my speech at FX, I mentioned, you know, that the feared unknown, that's where all the possible prob- probabilities exist. You know, that's where the multitude of possibilities exist. It, it is in the unknown. It's not in what's happening 
over and over again every day. So I, I love all of this. And, you know, who would have thought you probably wouldn't that in the process of digging yourself out of your hole and mine out of mine that we'd be here. Um, I love what I do. And it seems like you love what I what you do. Am I right? I love what I do. And I love what you do as well. I love it's a great point. It's It's very serendipitous that we have discovered each other because of our journeys through health. Like, how cool is that? You know, that, that our paths cross and I've tried to empower people. You're trying to empower people. And here we are trying to empower people together. That's a beautiful thing. Like, I, I love that when I go to these conferences that I get to meet all these amazing people like you that have a similar heart, a similar mission that's my favorite part of all this stuff. Like I never planned on. It's just, wow, I get like amazing like-minded friends that, that challenge my way of thinking and expand my mind. That's, that's amazing. One sort of last question. I should have asked it earlier, but I, I can't not ask it, which is, you know, you do, did mention Hashimoto's. Do you take thyroid hormone replacement or you're able to go without based on your diet and lifestyle? So, uh, (laughs) that's a great question. And I have thought about hiring the likes of you to help me with this. Oh, hey, we'll do a live coaching session. (laughs) (laughs) So let's plug you. And yes, we could do that. Maybe we could uh, record it or something. But um, everything shows normal uh, that as far as labs I've gotten. uh, But I do feel like uh, I'm lagging a little bit um, in that area. When I read the symptoms, I feel like I'm symptomatic, but I've looked at everything, like done some pretty deep dives, not even just, you know, the kind of basic TSH, T3, T4, all that, but um, even some of the ones that you were speaking about at FitCon, uh, but I do need to do a deeper dive, and I meant to talk to you about that, so yes, that is something that I need so help So you're with. currently not on thyroid hormone? Currently not, nothing, yes. All right. So, so per- perhaps or not, we'll see. Stay tuned. We'll, <laughs> we'll give a report back to the audience. Sean, thank you so much for all of your expertise. We'll definitely have you back on the show because there's too much that you are an expert in and have to share with us, and you explain it in such a great way. And I'm, I'm just so happy that I got to meet you, and uh, thanks so much for coming on our show. Is there anything you want to leave our audience with? Uh, I am blessed, and I have gratitude for you and for anyone listening uh, that has put me in this position to empower them. It's, it's an incredible blessing. And I would encourage everyone to read my favorite book, which is The Four Agreements. Uh, it radically changed my life and how I view things. Um, the one I, I try and work on the most is Don't Take Anything Personal. Um, but that that was a, a game-changing book for me, and, and I hope that others read it as well and get the same benefits great recommendation. Thank you so much. We will put all of the ways to connect with Sean in our show notes, but you can go to seanwells.com to start and we will have you back on again. Thanks so much. Thank you. Hi, Brad Kearns here with something different than a stiff commercial script message. I want to give you an authentic endorsement for one of my favorite supplements of all time. It's called Adaptogenic Calm. used to be called Primal Calm, and the key ingredient in this formula is called Phosphatidylserine, or PS. And this agent has been shown in hundreds of studies to blunt the catabolic effects of the stress hormone cortisol in the bloodstream that's released in response to all forms of life stress. 
whether it's a series of difficult workouts, extensive jet travel, personal stress of any kind, we're constantly triggering the fight or flight mode in modern life. And when people say, hey, you should take a chill pill, this really is a chill pill. Because when you consume an appropriate amount of phosphatidylserine and the other supportive ingredients that have been known to have a calming effect on the central nervous system, things like magnesium, L-theanine, magnolia bark, and rhodiola, you will get a calming effect. It's not like a stimulant product that makes you feel more energy and have a better workout. But instead, this sort of takes the edge off of that stress buzz where you feel that foggy brain function, maybe a little shaky and finally fried at the end of a busy, stressful day. This stuff will help you clear your bloodstream from those catabolic stress hormones before they can do the damage. So I like to take significant quantities of it in and around stressful events, such as jet travel or in those heavy training cycles when you're really pushing your body and trying so hard not to fall into that overtraining, overstress, foggy brain function spiral downward. That's right, phosphatidylserine has also been shown to enhance cognitive function. It's commonly used in Europe on cognitive decline patients, and you can make that connection. 